Hello, and thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast from Prism Insurance Agency. As you know, we put in a ton of time and effort to make each of our shows as valuable as we can. If you find the information useful, please share this podcast with a friend by emailing it to them or sharing this on the social media site of your choice. In our 25-plus years of practice, we have found one of the most effective things you can do in your retirement and estate planning is having a family meeting with your kids when the time is right, when they reach that age of maturity where we want to get them involved. Well, recently, in the November 2013 article from Kiplinger's Personal Finance, Jessica Anderson, associate editor, submitted an article, The Family Money Talk You Must Have, to discuss with us some great ideas on how to get the conversation started and what type of things you're going to want to discuss in that family meeting. Welcome, Jessica. Thank you. We've been practicing in the Wisconsin area for about 25 years, and I know early in the career, money was a big, big secret, and we saw a lot of problems with that when parents would die and kids didn't even have a clue. And you just recently did an article in Kiplinger's magazine titled, The Family Money Talk You Must Have. And in your research, what did you find the number one reason that parents still don't want to talk or discuss their finances with their adult children? Money is an uncomfortable topic to kind of begin with. People have a lot of different feelings associated with it, but Fidelity study that we found suggests that parents worry the most about the news that a financial windfall later in life could prevent their children from being independent. Knowing that they have something to fall back on could lead them to become less successful. Well, just tell us then, in your research, when do you think is the best time? When should you have the conversation? Ideally, you'll be talking with your kids about money from the very beginning, starting at a very young age, making kind of everyday decisions, say, at the grocery store. Well, Mom, why can't I have this? You know, I want this. Well, because you got this, and money doesn't grow on trees. <laughs> kind of teaching them the value of money and discussing your financial decisions as you go along lays a really nice groundwork for the conversation that you can later have. I'd say that pretty much when kids are either in college or just after at that point in your life, you're probably looking towards retirement, have some of these plans in place, and that's a point in their lives when they can really start understanding the nuts and bolts of, okay, you know, this is a responsibility that I may need to take on later in life. You bet. You know, as a dad, of course, at this point in my life of teenagers, I might be a little bit unique because I have the financial advisory background, <laughs> but I've been teaching my kids about money since they pretty much were born. It's critical because, of course, in our practice, we have seen so many families that that is a taboo subject. And that is just not, of course, the best approach because if you don't educate your kids on money, the only place they're going to learn is somewhere you might not want them to learn. And schools today are limited in what they talk about as far as finances. And my fear is, and this is why I educate my kids, is they see we're kind of this plastic generation today. You know, the credit cards swipe. You don't see uh -huh. a lot of cash. It's nice to sit down and even just start talking about the basics. My kids have life insurance, and we talk about that. They have 529 plans, and we go through the statements, and we talk about growth, and we talk about sometimes the market doesn't grow. And giving those perspectives to them, they also know that mom and dad have an estate plan in the event something happens. 
They know the location of where those things are, and they're only young teenagers. So I'm proud of at least the, the knowledge I've gained by counseling other families and seeing maybe where they've missed opportunities. I've applied that in my family, and I don't think I should be unique. I think everybody should take that approach, educate those kids from a young age, and then naturally when you're older and it's time to rely upon them in your estate planning as your power of attorney or maybe trustee or executor in the future, they need to know that these things are in place and kids are generally relieved to know that mom and dad have finances organized for them. Absolutely. Just tell us again, we certainly have found when we talk to parents, it's nice to have sometimes that family meeting. So tell us, what are your thoughts as far as should all the kids be involved or should the parents maybe address this one-on-one? This is really going to come down to your family dynamic and also where your family is located. If you all live in the same town, you can certainly set up a conversation where all of your kids come over for a Sunday afternoon meal and then discussion. If you're all spread out across the country, it's likely to happen at a family gathering that maybe doesn't have so much to do with the planning of your estate. wouldn't bring it up over Thanksgiving dinner per se, but you're really going to have to work to have that conversation in person. A lot of people choose to have the conversation one-on-one with each kid before kind of wrapping them all in together. I think the key there is just to make sure that everyone's getting the same information because you don't want to have a disconnect about who's going to be in charge of what, what the general plan is, what your wishes are on your desk, because you just do not ever want to leave a situation where your children are then concerned that they have information that the other one doesn't have or they have conflicting ideas about what you would have wanted. What we found is even when you have kids out of state, and this might be something you talk to your financial advisor about, maybe your family attorney, but once you've got everything organized and the kids are at the age where they're now mature enough to handle a reasonable conversation, I find one of the goals that we always have is making sure the kids still say happy birthday to each other and Merry Christmas and happy holidays and all that when the parents are gone, because typically they're the glue that keeps the family together. And without this discussion, a lot of times can lead to a lot of family infighting because of miscommunication, misunderstanding. So we find having them all together in one room is the best way to do it. I know that sometimes when there's rough spots, I always tell my clients when we have the kids and I said, look, I'll be the bad guy so they can blame me for some of the planning that's done if there's problems. But if we get everybody's input, who knows? They know you better than I do. And maybe we make some adjustments once we have this open dialogue. And I find by having those family meetings when mom and dad do pass, everything goes a lot smoother The planning opportunities are not missed. It's just one of the most important and most fulfilling things I think we do as planners is putting these families together and giving them the peace of mind that things are taken care of. So what is your suggestion, what you found in your research? What's the best way that you've seen that families have been able to start this conversation? I think that a lot of the experts that I talk to recommend breaking the ice with either current events Let's talk about Obamacare. It's been in the news a lot. What does this mean for our health care decisions later on? And do we have advanced directives? And that can kind of lead into money conversations. Or conversation that you had with a friend or a neighbor, bring that up and say, so-and-so down the block, mother just passed away, and she and her siblings are just all at each other's throat over 
the money and what is supposed to be passed on to whom. And I don't want that to happen to us, so let's sit down and have a frank discussion about this. The most important thing is that this shouldn't be a scary topic. It touches on a lot of things that can be scary. Nobody wants to think about their parents' death. I'm sure the parents don't want to think about their own death. But it's important that you kind of start having these conversations. And it's always going to be a continuum. Your plans from the day that you start having this conversation till the day that you pass are just not going to be the same. Things are going to change and you may change your mind about certain things at every point. It's an opportunity to wrap your family into that discussion. Yeah, and I think ultimately it should be the parents to be the first person to take that step. And what you just mentioned there, it's an opportunity to sometimes bridge the subject by using another family's circumstances as an example. And Mm -hmm. if that's the icebreaker that it takes, I think that's fantastic. Ultimately, though, if mom and dad never seem to want to bring it up, this is the challenge we certainly see in our clients is the children say, gosh, I don't want to seem greedy. But I think at the end of the day, your parents know you. And if you've got a great relationship, you're demonstrating compassion and concern. And maybe sometimes it could even be brought up by the child by saying, you know, mom and dad, I did some planning for myself and my family. I just want to share that with you. It certainly is going to open the door for them to say, hey, you know, we've done the same or we haven't done that. You're not asking them to show you what they got. You're just telling them what steps you took. And maybe that can also be the door opener. This is a great conversation, Jessica. If you can stay with us, because we're going to take a short break and let's continue to discuss this very important topic of the family money talk you must have. Please stay tuned. If you want more information on this program from your real wealth professional, just click the more information button so they know to contact you. Welcome back. As we continue talking today with Jessica Anderson, who is an associate editor at Kiplinger's Personal Finance, she has a current article running in Kiplinger's in November here called The Family Money Talk You Must Have. And we've been talking about, obviously, this very sensitive topic that sometimes doesn't come up in families. Tell us, again, from your perspective and the experts you've talked to, what is the important information that should be shared? And maybe is there any information that should be left out? as we talked about before, this is an ongoing conversation that will likely change over the years as you age. But the main things to share in the first conversation that you have are who you want to handle the money when you can no longer handle it yourself. So establish an executor or a trustee. Then number two is how you want your estate to be distributed, whether you want your children to split it equally or if there are going to be differing allotments. That's incredibly important because when you pass you don't want kids to be like, well, why did they give so much money to little Susie and then I'm stuck with nothing? Just make the reasoning behind your decisions very clear. And if there's anything that might be surprising or any way hurtful to your children, you really owe it to them to explain your thought process. There's just nothing worse than a surprise in a will, and especially when you're not around to mitigate the damage at that point. As far as things that might be left out, I'd say in the first conversation, maybe even the first couple, you might worry less about sharing exact numbers. In fact, skip the numbers entirely. An inheritance may well change before it's realized, and the numbers are really distracting from the overall goal of the conversation. I can think of quite a few stories that go right in line with what you're talking about. Tony and I are big fans of making sure people have all the documents in place, whether it's a will or a trust. 
financial, healthcare powers of attorney, all these things are critical documents. And typically, people are picking one or two of the kids to serve in those roles. And we've seen, and this is one of the things that has prompted us to have family meetings, is letting the kids know having a family meeting that, number one, these documents are in place. Number two, what does that mean and what is the role and responsibility? And I emphasize the fact with all the kids, we're not picking favorites. We're just trying to pick a child that maybe their circumstances are best to allow them to step in and help mom and dad out. So, for example, with financial power of attorney, they got to pay all the bills. So if they're stepping into that role, if you got someone who works three jobs and travels a lot, that might not be the best person as someone who might be a stay-at-home mom might have more time available to help mom and dad. So understanding that reasoning and that it's a responsibility, not a privilege necessarily, really sets a tone for those kids to not have a misunderstanding. Also, I've seen cases, too, where families have said, well, this specific dollar amount is going to you, and like you said, things change, and then, boy, it's World War III if there's no other conversations along the way when people don't get what they're expecting. And I find sometimes maybe putting dollars on things may not necessarily always be the best way to let kids know without knowing the framework of the overall estate plan. But conversation is good. Communication sure helps keep families together. And those conversations are best when the parents that are the glue can deliver those conversations. Talk about, Jessica, a little bit about what are some of the mistakes that the adult children should avoid in this process. I think the biggest thing is just not to assume anything. When you're coming into this conversation, recognize that it's going to be a sticky one for you and your parents. Even if you have a great relationship, just the fact that they're kind of making themselves vulnerable and telling you what they have, what their plan is, what they would like, but ultimately they're depending on you to carry that out. And you might think you know what your parents want, but go in with open ears and be prepared to hear some things that you might not like. Keep in mind that this is a game plan, and depending on how life plays out, your parents may change their minds about things. And it's just it's always going to be a starting out point. And every conversation you have is just going to be the next kind of jumping off point for what is to come. Why don't we summarize what are some few easy tips to prepare your financials for the future, kind of getting ready for this conversation? Give us some ideas or tips there. Yeah, you bet. To prepare for the future, I'd advise everyone to create a list of their accounts from banking and credit accounts to bills, anything related to money coming in or paying out with their online access information so that you've got a really clear picture of this is what we owe, this is what we're bringing in, and these are all of the different accounts because when you pass, your kids aren't going to have any idea. They might say, okay, well, we know we've got a phone bill and a cable bill, but what else? And then gather all of your financial documents and your legal documents and put them in one place. Create a list of your advisors, like your tax guy, your financial planner, like you guys, and your attorney, and put all of this information in a safe place. Let the kids know where to find it. You don't have to hand it over right now, but just as long as they know where to get that list of the most important people that helped you put this plan together in the first place, and a lot of the puzzle pieces that go into it, they're going to be much better prepared to deal with your finances rather than trying to cobble it all together after you're gone. 
those are all great tips. And it just reminded me of a circumstance that I thought was kind of cute where I was working with a couple that were well into their 80s and they're finally doing the old clean out the attic kind of thing in, as they always say, is preparing, you know, for the future. They were doing some transition from a larger property to a smaller and like so many, they saved their tax returns for years and years. I mean, literally back to their first year that they were employed, the wife smiled and she said, I'm getting rid of all the tax returns. However, I'm keeping the first one because we're going to leave that behind with all our documents for our kids to see just so they understand kind of the humble beginnings. Their income for that year was like $7,000, and they thought it would just be a great kind of lesson for the kids to understand what it was like back then and what they had to work with. So that was kind of an interesting little twist of getting organized. The other proud moment, at least I'll speak personally, and I know most of our advisors who certainly distribute this to their clients, it's comforting to know that many times on the top of that stack of all those documents that you're organizing is your advisor's business card. So my clients always tell their kids, look, I can't disclose everything to you every minute, every moment of the day, but here's that person you go to. Here's the person that we've had trust and confidence in all these years. And I think that's a critical component to communication with the family. I had a family meeting last night and we actually created a subcommittee from the large family because there's seven kids and we voted and said, okay, we can't keep doing the seven thing because it's almost impossible for everybody's calendars. And we went down two of the seven but at least everybody was involved and one takes notes. And so we're just throwing out some additional items and tips here just from our experience as to how these things can really work. And I regret we're out of time, Jessica, because this is a great conversation. It's never too soon. Like I started when they were born, talking about money. And I think that conversation should continue throughout the remainder of your life. So this has been really helpful. I believe our listeners will gain value from this. And thanks for the article that you put in November's Kiplinger's Personal Finance. And maybe we can have an opportunity to visit again in the future. I hope so. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us this week. And tune in again next week as we explore another phase of the real wealth process. And remember, if anything you heard in today's show you'd like to get more information about, contact your Real Wealth Advisor. Also, if you feel that any of this information will be helpful to a friend or family member, just click the Forward to a Friend button. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's podcast from Prism Insurance Agency. We've got additional information and links in our show notes, which you can click on to learn more. If you have any questions about any of the topics covered or would like to learn more, you can go to our website, www.myprisminsurance.com. You can reach out to us on Facebook or LinkedIn or Twitter. Call us at 951-243-2800 or email me directly at prob at myprisminsurance.com. The email is in the show notes as well. Once again, thank you so much for tuning in and have a wonderful week.